3: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We
2: begin with the guilty verdict for Sam Bankman-Fried. It took a jury less than five hours to convict the FTX co-founder of seven counts of fraud and conspiracy. Bloomberg's June Grosso begins our team coverage.
4: It's not a surprise because the evidence against him was overwhelming. And I think what did it is Sam Bankman-Fried took the stand in his own defense. And when a defendant takes the stand that way, the whole thing in the jury's mind becomes a credibility game. How credible do they find him?
2: Bloomberg's June Grosso says Sam Bankman-Fried faces as much as 20 years in prison on each of the most serious charges. He'll be sentenced in March.
3: Well, Nathan Bloomberg legal reporter Ava Benny Morrison was in the courtroom during the verdict, and she continues our team coverage. He was pretty emotionless.
4: Uh, he was asked to stand up um, by the judge when the jury um, delivered its verdict. Uh, he faced the, the the jury box, um he held his hands in front of him, um, and it looked like he was staring down at the floor um, as the jury as the fourth person for the jury um, confirmed guilty um, to each of the seven charges. He then sat back down um, when the jury walked out of the room, he was whispering with his lawyers, um he was nodding a lot. Um, while he wasn't very emotional, his parents were, uh, they were holding each other. Um, his dad um, doubled over at one
3: point. Bloomberg legal reporter Ava Benny Morrison reports Bankman's lawyer is considering an appeal.
2: And Karen Bloomberg Businessweek investigative reporter Zeke Fox wrote a book on FTX's crypto roller coaster, and he says Bankman Freed struggled under cross-examination.
5: When his own lawyer was questioning him, he had a lot to say. But when the prosecution had their turn to cross-examine he suddenly didn't remember anything and in one moment that was dramatic i mean especially for me the prosecutor asked her uh, she asked him about the statement there was more leeway and he said i don't remember saying anything like that she whipped out a copy of my book number go up and walked it over to him like a hard copy
3: and was like turn to page
5: 224
2: Bloomberg Bloomberg Businessweek, Zeke Fox adds the conviction is the first in a wave of legal action against crypto companies.
3: Nathan, now to the other major trial happening in New York, Donald Trump's $250 million civil fraud case. The former president's two oldest sons took turns on the witness stand, denying any role in preparing their company's financial records. Afterward, Donald Trump Jr. addressed reporters.
2: Before even having a day in court, I'm apparently guilty uh, of fraud for relying on
6: my accountants to do, wait for it, accounting.
3: Donald Trump Jr.'s brother Eric is set to continue testifying today. Their sister Ivanka will take the stand next week. She lost an appeal to delay her testimony.
2: Well, Karen, we now turn to the war in the Middle East. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is back in Tel Aviv. We're determined that this conflict not spread. And we'll be talking to both uh, the Israeli government and partners in the region. Uh, about what all of us are doing to prevent that from happening. When Secretary of State Blinken's arrival comes as ground operations continue in Gaza. The Hamas-run health ministry says more than 9,000 Palestinians have died in the fighting. Israel says 17 of its soldiers have been killed.
3: Well, Nathan, the House has passed the Aid for Israel bill, but Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports it may have a troubled future.
2: This is a victory for House Speaker Mike Johnson, but it looks as if it is dead to become law. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has been saying taking funding from IRS enforcement is a bad idea. And President Biden is out saying if it were to hit his desk, he would not sign it. House Speaker Johnson says it will get done.
3: There is absolutely no equivocation here. Um, we have to stand with Israel.
2: And Republican Congressman Tom Cole says there are different paths to get
5: the aid. We have a lot of unspent money. We ought to use that toward a more important purpose, and that's Israel.
2: So the issue's far from settled. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. Okay, Ed, thank you. Turning to markets, shares of Apple are down more than 3%. The world's most valuable company reported its fourth straight sales decline, and its warning holiday revenue will be about the same as last year. Angelo Zeno is Senior Equity Analyst at CFRA Research.
6: It's not the most favorable landscape out there for PCs, even though um, the broader PC landscape appears to have found some sort of footing for the time being. Um, But at the end of the day, the the consumer landscape is still very challenging in nature.
2: CFRA's Angelo Zeno says the results also suggest Apple's facing a deceleration in China.
3: Well, Nathan, other stocks on the move this morning. Shares of DraftKings up 7 percent. The sports betting operator reported sales and player numbers that beat analyst expectations. Block shares surging more than 18 percent. The payments giant run by Jack Dorsey again boosting its profit forecast for the year. And shares of booking dropping as much as 7 percent in late trading. The company, formerly known as Priceline, says travel demand had been diminished by the Israel-Hamas war.
2: And on the economic front, Karen, a busy week concludes with the October jobs report. A preview of that now from Bloomberg's Michael Mc. Fed Chair Jay Powell says a tight labor market could lead to another rate move, which means markets will parse the October jobs report trying to determine what it signals. Is hiring still much stronger than what's needed to absorb an increasing labor force? Have higher interest rates led companies to pull back on hiring or even start letting people go? Are companies still paying up to attract workers? While the Fed will also see the November payrolls report before its next meeting, Powell says it will take several months of data to make any decisions. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Radio.
3: All right, Nathan, thank you. It is time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's John Tucker. John, good morning.
5: And Karen, something may be rotten in the Big Apple. The mayor's fundraising campaign is under investigation. Let's get more on this report from Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Mayor Adams ditched a White House meeting on the migrant crisis and flew back to the city. The mayor explaining his abrupt return.
6: Well, You probably heard the
5: reports uh, involving uh, one of my campaign staffers. The staffer is lead fundraiser, 25-year-old Brianna Suggs, whose Brooklyn home was raided by the FBI along with the officers of a New York construction firm called KSK. It made $14,000 in campaign contributions. The investigation is looking into whether the company, along with Turkish nationals, made improper donations. In New York, Michael Barr, Bloomberg Radio. Adams was supposed to be with the mayors of Chicago and Denver to ask Congress to approve President Biden's request of $1.4 billion to help the cities and states in the migrant crisis. Denver Mayor Mike Johnston.
2: We're both grateful for what, we, what they've done. It's critical for us that this package passes over the next several weeks to get funding to cities. Otherwise, we'll have catastrophic impacts.
5: The Democratic mayor is trying to put pressure on the Biden administration to address the humanitarian crisis caused by record crossings at the southern border. The Senate had voted 95 to 1 to confirm Admiral Linda Franchetti to be the next chief of naval operations, making her the first woman to be a U.S. military service chief, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer.
6: And Admiral Franchetti is an exceptional leader with a distinguished career serving our nation. I'm confident she has the experience, the skills, and the vision to succeed as the
5: U.S. Navy's top... Naval, as the U.S. Navy's top officer. Franchetti's confirmation comes amid a temporary break from a blockade by Senator Tommy Tuberville that's stalling hundreds of military promotions. Riding high on historic contract wins against Detroit's automakers, UAW President Sean Fain is confident he can now take on Tesla and its anti-union chief. Elon Musk, in an interview with Bloomberg yesterday, Fain said, we can beat anybody. Global News, 24 hours a day, and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm John Tucker, and this is Bloomberg Karen.
3: Right, John, thanks. So We bring you news throughout the day here on Bloomberg Radio, but now you can get the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. John.
6: Karen, week nine in the NFL underway with an AFC game in Pittsburgh. The Steelers and Titans were tied at 10, then at 13. Pittsburgh trailed in the fourth quarter.
5: Picket in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Looks right. Deontay Johnson, wide open. Touch! Pittsburgh, the Steelers march in ninety-two yards to take the lead. That's Deontay Johnson's first touchdown in what a couple
6: seasons? Yes, twenty games. TVE had the calls. The Steelers beat the Titans twenty to sixteen. Pittsburgh's five and three. Tennessee is three and five. In Victor Wembanyama's fifth NBA game, the Spurs rookie sensation scored thirty-eight points. He had ten rebounds. Some highlight reel baskets as the San Antonio Spurs. Blew a 27-point lead, but still beat Phoenix 132-121. to 121. Philadelphia is 3-1, won by 15 over Toronto. Joel Embiid scored 28. The Pelicans are 4-1. They played without Zion Williamson. C.J. McCollum scored 33 and a win over Detroit. Orlando won by 2 at Utah. Paolo Banquero scored 30. The games tonight in the NBA marked the beginning of the NBA's in-season tournament. The Bruins are 9-0-1. They beat Toronto 3-2 in a shootout. Nelson Cruz announced his retirement at age 43, played 19 seasons for eight different teams, hit 464 home runs. As expected, World Series ratings, the lowest ever. 130 baseball players will be free agents heading the list. Show A-O time. John Stanshower, Bloomberg Sports.
1: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your
0: podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds.
5: From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg
2: Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Guilty on all counts. After a month-long trial, Sam Bankman-Fried is convicted in one of the biggest cases of financial fraud in decades over the collapse of his FTX crypto empire. For more reaction to this outcome, we are joined now by Bloomberg Law host, June Grosso. June, it's good to have you back with us this morning. Of course, this came after more than 15 days of testimony that this jury heard. In the end, though, it did take only about five hours for those jurors to come back with a verdict. Your thoughts?
4: Yeah, it it was a very quick verdict. Um, I think that the evidence in this case was overwhelming. The prosecution had not only documents that they could present, but they also had three insiders, three witnesses who were close friends of Sam Bankman-Fried, one a former girlfriend of his, who were in on the process, in on what happened. And they testified, and their testimony was very, you know, conclusive. And the cross examinations really didn't expose many holes in their testimony. And you also had the fact that Sam Bankman Fried took the stand. And when a defendant takes the stand, the focus for the jury then becomes the credibility of that defendant. And while he did, pretty well on direct examination, on cross-examination. The cross-examination was just withering. And he said, I don't know, or words to that effect, more than 100 times. So I think that in this case, his taking the stand, which was a risky move. Everyone knows that it's a risky move for a defendant to take the stand. And it worked against him here.
2: Was that the biggest mistake, that Sam Bankman Freed made to take the stand? Or is there something more that he could have done to try to rebut that testimony from, as you say, what used to be his closest friends, his inner circle?
4: Well, you know, it's it's hard to say. I don't want to characterize it as a mistake, really, because I don't know that he had any other choice. The evidence against him, as I said, was building, building, building. He had those, those witnesses who turned against him. And really, what else could he have done but take the stand? He really had no other recourse. It was sort of forced on him. You know, as the trial was going on, the question, will he take the stand or not? And the analysis was, well, he, he has the kind of personality to want to take the stand. I mean, look at all the times he's talked in the media, but Everyone knew that on cross-examination, he was going to be confronted with not only the testimony of the three people who were closest to him at FTX and Alameda Research who turned on him, but also all the statements that he made, all the times he talked to the media about FTX after the bankruptcy. So, But what else could he do? It was, it was a Hail Mary pass. And he took it, but, you know, the choice was really, there really wasn't much choice because it was so overwhelming at that point that, you know, he had to take the chance.
2: And there was, as you mentioned, so much overwhelming testimony uh, against him before he took the stand. And even before that testimony, I mean, he lost a number of uh, pretrial motions that kept him from calling expert witnesses. And, of course, there was that moment even before he was allowed to testify before a jury where he got on the stand in front of the judge to argue for uh, being allowed to testify about advice from his lawyer. So, I mean, he had a number of hands tied behind his back, didn't he?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, so many of the motions, every big one that I can think of, the judge ruled against him. And in particular, he was on the stand, as you mentioned, about three hours testifying before the judge so the judge could decide whether or not he could get use an advice of counsel defense. And that was really critical to his defense, his lawyers, and he wanted to say that what he did he did because he was relying on the advice of his attorneys. And the judge said that he could not do that. I mean, the judge even ruled before trial that they couldn't use that, uh, they couldn't talk about that in their opening statements to the jury. And then then he had those three hours on the stand where the judge decided that he couldn't use that and he couldn't talk about that in front of the jury. And that was really a hit on his defense. And if you go back, I mean, even before the trial, the judge, as you mentioned, said that he couldn't use expert witnesses. And the judge threw him into jail after he had communicated with the press. And that was really a surprise, too, because he had a huge bail package. And the defense was coming in to agree that day to a gag order. Instead, the judge decided that he was going to throw him into jail weeks before the trial. And that really puts a strain on the defense in more ways than one. I mean, not only did he not have his Adderall uh, when he was in jail, not have the right dose of it, but he's a vegan and he didn't get the kind of food he he uh, eats. He didn't get the kind of uh um, Foods at the Brooklyn Detention Center. So he, everyone saw that he lost a lot of weight when he came to the courtroom. But more than that, it's very difficult to prepare for trial when you're behind bars and your lawyer has to make appointments to meet you and you don't have access to all the documents and, you know, the Internet and the things you need. So it really was an uphill battle for him from the very beginning.
2: And so we've had this uphill battle go on for just about a month. After a relatively quick uh, jury decision, we are expecting that Sam bankman fried and his lawyers are going to appeal this verdict. How do you expect that to go now?
4: Well, you know, they have a lot of issues that they can appeal on, and they're the ones that I was just talking about, the judge turning down the advice of counsel and the expert witnesses and I'm sure they have a lot more from what happened at trial but it's it's very difficult to get a conviction reversed on appeal it happens but it's very difficult because a lot of these decisions are what they say you know in the discretion of the judge and the appellate court won't touch a lot of the a lot of these decisions if they feel that the, it was in the discretion of the judge and that these may all fit in that category so, you know, they, will, they do have a lot to talk about. They do have a lot to raise on appeal. But, you know, it's, it's another uphill battle for him.
2: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond.
1: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
3: What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you?